question the voices of res and I hear Plastics. Plastics is an SPE sponsored podcast. Hey, Lindsay. Well, hello. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Office number two, just living your best life. Just living my best life. Yeah. So, um, of course, this this, you know, will probably get aired months after, but I just uh, got a got a big promotion. So I'm now overseeing both of our labs, Peacock uh, Colors and Vortex Liquid Color. Well, why don't you why don't you introduce yourself while we're at it with your new? Well, well, thank you so much, Lindsay. And you have a new title since we last recorded, too. Or no, no. Well, it depends on the 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 because anyway, um, I am Mercedes Lindazri. I am. Director of Technology and Innovation for Peacock Colors and Vortex Liquid Color and serve on uh, a few boards for Society of Plastics Engineers. And I am Lindsay Neville. I am an upstream product quote engineer for Cytiva and I am membership, the VP of members, member engagement for SPE um, and on the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Board and the Injection Molding Board and the Northwest Pennsylvania Board. All the boards. All the boards. <laughs> and with our powers combined oh yes and with our power we are plastics <laughs> so um so on our podcast we talk about all things plastics um all people who work uh in the industry uh and and um parallel to it sometimes um you can listen to us we release the episodes first friday of every month um on apple podcasts Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Plast Chicks, uh, find us on social media. Mm-hmm. It's not Plastic Chicks, but oh, you oh, can plastic. call us Plastic Chicks. Just Plastic Chicks. Yeah. But put it in the chicks part. Um, and we are also on uh, SPE's YouTube page. You can find the live video version, well, the recorded live video version. Um, and you can see what great color lipstick I'm wearing for each episode. It's a great color today. That's really focus. Thank you. Uh, uh, but enough about us. Because we have a guest here because that's what we, we do, do have a guest. It's not just us. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have uh, Jason Brownell from Polyfuse. Hello. Hello. Yay. <laughs> Welcome, Jason. Well, thank you so much, Mercedes. Congratulations on the uh, the promotion. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for for having me on as a guest, and uh, look forward to talking with you guys today. Uh, so I'm the director of engineering over here at at Polyfuse, and I don't know if you'd like me to kind of go into some history on where yeah. we kind of come from, or if that comes later. Absolutely, give us give us the spiel about Polyfuse. You got it. So um, we're very much a niche company um, specific to the polyolefin family of plastic. You know, so all your polyethylenes and different derivatives, polypropylene, um, even as it gets into, you know, soft touch material like TPB, for example. um, That's strictly what we help people to label, which is also one of those materials that's very challenging uh, to try to label. So uh, the owner of our company uh, invented this technology, well, let's say 35 plus years ago, um, understanding that there was, there was a need. Um, And as the, the history is concerned, he, he had worked for um, uh, a plastics company and one of the, um, 
major restaurant chains was having a problem where uh, the containers that would hold the coffee and then also the milk, uh, they were getting mislabeled because the labeling was coming off. So all of a sudden your milk started to taste like coffee. And um, yeah, it was just an issue. And so what's that? I said that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. Coffee milk. <laughs> true, true, true. And so that's kind of the the challenge that that they were up against, and then uh, and then he developed this this technology, um, and the name of that company is uh, Molding Graphic Systems, and that was really geared towards people in the rotational molding industry. Um, we would also do a lot of work with uh, blow molding and thermoforming uh, and never really had uh, a good solution for injection molding because of the speed. Uh, everything on the molding graphics side is is very um, hands-on. It's a slower process. And even though there was a need in the injection molded uh, industry, uh, we just couldn't keep up with the speed. And that's where Polyfuse was born because it, it, it addressed the, uh, the speed issue as well. I mean, injection molding is the bestest molding, as I will say, from time to time. Um, and I believe that's an industry standard. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that... Go ahead, Mercedes. Oh, sorry. So how long has Polyfuse been around? So let's see. I believe it was nine years ago that Polyfuse first debuted. Oh, um, very young. So the, what's that? Very young company then. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, Jason, can you explain to us what is fusion labeling and how is it uh, how how does it differ from uh, IML in mold labeling? Absolutely. So earlier I was starting to say that um, you know for for an adhesive based technology to try to work, um, you have to have a relatively higher surface energy, and so oftentimes um, companies will plasma treat or corona treat in an effort to try to make an adhesive technology work. Um, and so, in order to understand how different the fusion technology is versus an IML, um, if you think of an IML on a cross section and think about the construction, oftentimes you will have a clear coat on top with a layer of ink underneath that. And then underneath that, you have a tie layer or a substrate um, that does a very, very good job of mechanically bonding to the surface of olefin-based materials. The trouble is you have that clear coat and the ink. And if that clear coat breaks down for whatever reason, could be related to um, UV, uh, could have, um, you know, scratching, things like that, just from, you know, being in the world. Uh, if that clear coat starts to break down, then those inks go away. And so at the end of the day, then what you can be left with is just that tie layer or the substrate layer. So fusion labeling is so different in that, number one, um, it doesn't utilize ink whatsoever. Uh, we're actually printing with pigmented polymers. Uh, and I often think of ourselves much more of a, as a, what's that? Mercedes' favorite is anything pigmented. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. And, and so, so we're working with pigmented polymers, and uh, I often, you know, think of ourselves as a polymer company much more so than a printing company. And so, what's basically happening is you're taking our plastic label 
the fusion label itself, and you're putting it in contact with the olefin-based part. Then you're applying heat to those two materials. And so you're reaching the melt temperature of the plastic label. You're reaching the melt temperature of the plastic part or the skin of the plastic part. And because the two are the same material, they fuse together to become one piece of plastic. Uh, and so, you know, we, we've taken it, we've taken cross sections of it and look at it under like say sem analysis. And you can see on a molecular level where things are just fused together versus being a bunch of series of layers. And so that's what's so different about, about fusion labeling versus any other sort of decorating method that's out there. Um, you know, because, you know, you have screen printing, you have pad printing, you have, you know, traditional adhesive-based layers. Uh, you mentioned IML. Heat transfers are out there. All of those are, you know, trying to make things bond or stick. Uh, in fact, a lot of times when I send somebody a sample of our materials and they'll call me back and they'll go, wow, you know, the, these fusion labels really stick. Like, they don't stick at all because they don't. They're actually fused together versus adhering. So hopefully that kind of gives you the difference between, you know, fusion labeling versus versus an IML. It actually becomes part of the plastic. Gotcha. So with the fusion labeling, uh, do you have these different layers as well? How, how many layers are there? Or, or is, are there not really layers? There's not really layers um, other than um, the fusion label is going to be printed on a carrier film. Mm -hmm. um, and that carrier film is just to get the printed material from us to the manufacturer. At that point, the heat then is applied and that carrier film that we printed on is then discarded. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's just a carrier to get the, the pigmented materials uh, to the plastic. And, and, you know, people will hear the name polyfuse um, and they'll grab hold of, you know, the that we decorate polyethylene, polypropylene. And so they'll oftentimes jump to a conclusion and say, oh, so you can decorate polystyrene and polyurethane and polycarbonate. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, um, it's just it's not. The, the same kind of materials. So again, we're very much a niche company in that we stay in the, the olefin family of plastic. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so I'm picturing these, this, this printed film, it kind of like um, almost is like a, a temporary tattoo type thing where it comes off and then. <laughs> kind of, kind the, of yeah. 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 That's what it, that's what it looks like. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and it is when, when it's in its raw form, th there's nothing durable about it whatsoever. It's just, it's very soft material. You can uh, wipe it right off, if you will. Um, but once it comes in contact with the plastic part and it gets heated to its melt temperature, you know, the olefin based material and the, the fusion label, they're going to melt somewhere around 300 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, and so the, the piece of equipment that is used, um, you know, most people in the injection molding industry already have either a hot stamp machine or a heat transfer machine. So, we're going to ask that they make some modifications in that um, rather than using a steel or a magnesium dye, you're going to want to remove that dye and replace it with a silicone rubber dye. Um, and then typically when you're talking about hot stamping, heat transfer, uh, they'll run the machine at about 350 degrees Fahrenheit. 
And that's because what they're trying to do is activate an adhesive in a hope to make it stick. Uh, we're going to crank that temperature way up to like 550 degrees Fahrenheit. So when that 550 degree machine with the silicone rubber die comes in contact with the label and the surface of the plastic that are all going to melt around 300, that fusion process happens very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at that point, um, it is there and it, it's labeled for the life of the plastic. Um, there, there's nothing to delaminate or come off. It, it's, it's part of the plastic. Um, in fact, I would say once every couple months, somebody calls me up and they say, hey, by the way, I put my uh, logo or my warning on upside down. Um, how do I get it off? And, uh, and you don't. I mean, short of taking off layers of plastic, uh, it, it's part of it. It's fused into it. So how do you prevent, like, um, deforming the print? I mean, is there – can you mess that up? Because I feel like I would be able to mess that up somehow. <laughs> yeah, d- depending on the type of material um, – you know, everything's going to have a little bit of, uh, you know, different melt temperatures. Um, it's a very low pressure system. Um, you know, low density polyethylene versus, you know, ultra high molecular weight polyethylene versus polypropylene. They're all going to have some different characteristics. Um, and yes, from an aesthetic standpoint, uh, you can sit on it too long uh, and kind of distort the image, if you will. Listen, I burnt my little apron that I made at my third grade birthday party. I held the iron on too long. I was too excited. The horse's head melted right through the iron. It was upsetting. Don't even get me started on like what her phone screen looks like when she tries to tries to put the put the legs yeah, no, on top of it any to of protect it. it. <laughs> bubbles until it's completely cracked (laughs) thank you so 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 funny so so um so what kind of applications are you are you seeing for this is it mostly for packaging are you getting into automotive at all where the labeling standards for that have changed i know recently they have um and yes we're we're highly involved in the automotive industry um you know, platforms with with General Motors and with Ford, uh, and and it's interesting because when when you look at labeling, you have um, you know permanent labeling, you know versus temporary labeling, and um, the documentation that I have seen, permanent labeling requires like end of vehicle life, fifteen years, mm-hmm. um, and and that's something that as an organization we addressed and we said sure we can be there for 15 years uh, and then started thinking about it you know if it's properly fused into the plastic it'll be there for the life of the part and so that's something we now offer it doesn't stop at 10 years or 15 years it's it's for the life of the part but yeah we're very much involved uh in the the automotive space for sure um you know, companies like Rubbermaid, for example, um, do a lot of things, you know, within those types of industries, do a lot of things in the um, 
outdoor sporting uh, arena, you know, with with coolers and kayaks and things like that. Um, and it was interesting because when we first, you know, came into the industry on on the polyfuse side of things, everybody was used to really small images. Uh, in fact, I was cautioned by one person early on that said, if you're going to try to do this with a vertical piece of equipment, the maximum size that you can do is 15 square inches. That's it. Like three inches by five inches. That's it. You're done. Mm -hmm. um, one of the largest ones that I worked on, I believe it was 12 inches tall, 24 inches wide on a, on a big snowplow blade. Um, wow. So, yeah, I mean, we're kind of... Um, the industry itself is kind of looking going, what this is different, you know, it, it's you, very different. Are you limited to geometry shape? You know, you're saying a snowplow blade, there is a curvature to that. You know, does it have to be a flat surface? Can you go, you know, in the Z dimension? We can. Um, and but it, it's relative to the part, the compound curve versus the size of the label that you you know wanted to do. Uh, this isn't going to be a situation where you can necessarily wrap uh, around a part um, just because of the complex curves that are involved. And oftentimes I, I use the analogy. It, it's kind of like putting a piece of paper on a basketball. If you were to take a one inch by one inch piece of paper and put it on a basketball, no wrinkles, not a problem. You try to take something that's 10 inches by 10 inches and put that on a basketball, it's going to be full of wrinkles. Um, so that's one thing. Understanding that we're printing on a carrier film, if that carrier film wrinkles for whatever reason, then that's going to show up in, in the finished part. It's but like certainly wrap a basketball, which is not an idea i would I've, I've tried to give those gifts right. to my kids before never looks good never looks oh, yeah. good i was using the wrong technology for sure wrong technology <laughs> this is not a polyfuse application yeah <laughs> what's what's like a an interesting part that you you've been able to up uh, to fusion label like a funky something unexpected huh Quick story, and then I'll get back to that. Yeah. One time I was in a, in a manufacturing facility, and this goes right in line um, with what you were asking before about distorting things. Um, I, I was working with a, with a manufacturing team at an injection molding facility, and they told me that the power was going to go out in about 30 minutes. And so I had 20 more minutes in order to stamp parts. No problem. I was working along. I was almost done. I still had 10 minutes to spare and I was decorating the last part. That hot dye came in contact with the label and the plastic part and the power went out. <gasps> and there it sat with that hot dye in its down position. And it sat there for a long time, about a minute and a half before the power was able to come back on and we were able to get that dye head off. And what's interesting is the label itself looked great it was just about a half inch down into the park <laughs> just because it was so hot um but you know back to the uh the interesting part and and working on that snowplow blade um it, i would have chosen that as uh one of the stories of a of an interesting part um because it was so big uh and it was unheard of in the industry to try to do something like that. So um, even though that kind of ties in with what I was talking about earlier, I would say that was an interesting program for sure to work on. Yeah, I could, I mean, 
I guess that would be pretty cool if you think about it, you know, um, being able to brand on your snowplow. Like that's not, <laughs> my dad was um, the highway, he worked for the highway department for years and years. So, um, sure. I mean, it would have been cool if they could like put their names on there, you know, cause they all have their own trucks. Um, yeah. Not that, not that the highway department would be paying for that, but still it would be cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, even even true. if it weren't like personalization, if it were like like customized to like that department or the, right. or the township or whatever. Exactly. Well, and that's just it. You know, a lot of times people will look at fusion labeling for branding because branding is very important. Um, but a lot of people will come to us because of warnings and instructions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these are things that, you know, from a, from a liability standpoint, uh, if the instruction needs to stay there for the life of the part, and then it comes off for some reason, um, you know, that, that's not great. And so, again, a lot of times people think of us, you know, as helping with their branding, but but it's really important too with uh, with warnings and instructions. Um, in fact, it was kind of interesting, um, you know, when we look at um, reusable packaging, for example, um, you know, rather than doing like single use um, transportation of goods to be able to have something that comes back. Um, there are um, task force that are set up to um, try to combat unauthorized recycling of hmm. plastic, you know, where, where people will steal plastic totes and pallets and then grind those things up uh, for, you know, for money. And so for, for those people to be able to have their name on it and say, you need to contact us, you know, no, you know, unauthorized recycling allowed and um, to have things like, like barcodes, for example, that's another big one. People, when, when they have um, their assets that, you know, are leaving and they want to get those assets back, it's important to be able to, to track those. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that's another big thing that, that we're doing quite a bit of now is, is just from a, from a barcoding standpoint, you know, whether it's code 128 or 2D data matrix, uh, people are wanting to capture that information too. Sure. And that makes sense too, with, I mean, those trends in like the, um, um, Oh gosh, why can't I remember the uh, like the with the refillable consumer packaging and things like that? I would see it sure. in line with that as well. Hmm. Yeah, cool. for sure, for sure. Yeah, so, so it's fun stuff. You know, you're you're talking about the you know bringing bringing packaging um, back to you know whatever place it came from, so that way it's kind yeah. of a looped recycling um, system. You know. Where do you see the responsibility of, you know, a packaging industry, but also like someone that's not necessarily driving the packaging like you guys are, but you play an active role in the packaging? You know, where do you guys kind of see yourselves in that? Yeah, again, with uh, with not doing single use, but you know, working with pooling companies and things like that to get those assets back. Uh, it's important to note too that when they do come back, oftentimes they have to be cleaned. Um, and so 
you know, it's important that that labeling will stay on that plastic tote or that pallet, um, not only for the life of the part, but, you know, it's going to survive all of the detergents and, um, you know, washing and things. Um, and we see this a lot in, in the medical industry as well, um, where, you know, you will have multiple trips with containers where they have to come back, they have to be cleaned, maybe autoclaved. Um, and, it's important that the, the labeling and the identification on it stays with it for the life of the part. Um, so yeah, we're definitely very much involved in that. And, and we help people with, with managing those assets as well. Mm-hmm. So does Polyfuse um, sell the, the systems or do you sell it as a service? No, we're, we're selling the individual transfers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, oftentimes we'll work with, um, plastic injection molders uh, who are making product then for say an OEM of sort. And so we're just producing the labels. We're shipping them to the manufacturer. Gotcha. Then the manufacturer is doing it on their end. Um, and again, so it, it, there's a lot of different scenarios that kind of take place. Sometimes people are doing it right at the, the end of a, an injection molding cell. Mm-hmm. They're taking advantage of the, the heat from that molding cycle, sure. um, you know, the part, the part may come out and it's 130 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, you're already over a third of the way to the, to the melt temperature of that material versus you could also do this in a secondary situation where you're decorating parts out of an inventory. Uh, you know, the parts may only be 50 degrees Fahrenheit and, and it's still something that you can do. It's just going to impact, um, you know, how long uh, that dye would be in contact with the fusion label and the plastic part. Equipment wise, um, it's not, there's nothing that you guys offer um, as like a package or anything or like a starter package. It's all modification of, you know, heat transfer or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And and fortunately, most people that are in the manufacturing space already have that capital piece of equipment. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're not offering any sort of a equipment, but we do work with the major equipment manufacturers. Uh, and, and, and back to your earlier question regarding curved uh, situations um, or curved parts, it, that it doesn't have to be flat. We actually um, developed a line which we refer to as our, our VersaFlex system, where it's actually put on with a very, very soft silicone rubber pad, similar to what you would see in the pad printing industry. And this allows people not only that have curved parts, but also that may have hollow parts uh, that they that they need to label. Because a lot of times you can't get in and support the underside wall of a part that's hollow. Um, and so to be able to go in with a low pressure system and and help people in those instances as well. And that's known yeah, as a burst. Once again, that would be me just crushing that part and it would just come <laughs> out all wonky. And uh, right? yeah, that that's kind of my, my brand if we were. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome, love it. So how does uh, how does this technology compare with um, with other labeling technologies from a sustainability perspective? Yeah, well, because it becomes part of that thermoplastic, um, it is one hundred percent recyclable with that 
plastic product when it reaches the end of its life cycle. You know, so it can it can be ground up then and, and made into something else. So uh, it's not any sort of a foreign substrate that needs to be removed. It, it can just be ground right up with it because it is part of the plastic. So, yeah, 100% recyclable. And now um, I'm not sure if you guys have done a lot of testing or, or thinking because color is, you know, my world. So that's I'm, I'm thinking about, oh, wow, cool. So you're, you're coloring these actually with pigments um, and not with inks. So um, have you done uh, and thinking about the, this is like a long term, you know, for the ostensibly for the for the whole, you know, uh, life or the use of this this specific product it would be on there um have you done any sorts of weathering testing and color fastness testing um yeah. for these labels yeah absolutely and and we have an extensive uh test data report that you know uh, we can provide to anybody if they want to take a look at it so not only have we done uh accelerated weather testing uh with like qub test equipment mm -hmm. uh but also you know we have the luxury of, of being in arizona where we yeah. can do long-term studies as well uh, and pull them at different uh, intervals. So, yeah, definitely from a, a weather weatherability standpoint, we, we have a lot of data, but also from impact testing to chemical testing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm never worried about anybody doing any sort of testing with our label because it, if your plastic will hold up to whatever test you're performing, so will the label. It's part of it. And, you know, so short of removing layers of plastic, it, it, it's part of it. So when we do chemical testing, it's not just a chemical wipe. Um, you know, we'll soak them for hundreds of hours. Uh, in fact, uh, on our campus here in Arizona, um, we actually have um, test tubes that I think were set up, I mean, a long time ago uh, that has our, our labeling technology in it. So with all sorts of various chemicals. So least of my concern, but yeah, definitely a lot of weathering testing. Yeah, so, you know, kind of switching gears a little, you guys are a, as we established earlier, a younger company, um, kind of born out of a, an older company. Sure. How, you know, the plastics industry itself, a lot of these companies are, you know, generational, family-owned, been in, you know, especially in the injection molding um, world, you know, a lot of those were started by somebody's great-grandpa or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, how do you, how do you guys interact with kind of that established, um, I love the injection molding industry, but sometimes, you know, something new and jazzy is a little scary. You know, how, how do you guys... Yeah, we'll just we'll just continue using what we've always used, and yeah. how do you combat that? Um, well, first off, uh, as as far as you know, family owned, we are a family owned company, second generation, um, and so from that standpoint, you know, we can relate sometimes to to the folks that we're working with. Um, but you're absolutely right. I, I think sometimes people are are fearful of change. Um, but one thing when it comes to working with olefin-based materials, um, it, it doesn't take very long with talking to somebody for them to 
admit the challenges of trying to decorate that material. And, and when you start asking questions about, well, do you do any sort of secondary process in an effort to try to raise the, the surface energy? Do you do plasma treating? Do you do corona treating? Um, you know, I, I really look at our company as um, we're providing a solution for people because everybody that works with this material has challenges with it. And we're not a fit. We're not a fit across the board with, with every single product, uh, but certainly for people that are struggling for uh, for parts that I would consider durable goods that has a life cycle of 10, 15 years, uh, you know, if the life cycle of a part is, uh, you know, six months, then, then we may not be a, a good fit for that. Um, and certainly sometimes if the labeling comes off, it's okay. Uh, it was just meant to, you know, uh, get to, to a consumer, for example. Um, but if it's something that needs to be there for the life of the part and it's a durable good, it doesn't take very long for, for people to understand those challenges. So, Yeah, I could see that as um, pretty helpful. But I think to me, I would almost be more concerned um, because I would be like, well, what if I want to change something? I would not want to be the person <laughs> reading it. That's for sure. Like, that is not where I would feel comfortable. It would be like, their T-H-I-E-R or something dumb like that. Oh, it's oh, no. definitely going to be, yeah. yeah. Something like really big and bold, just like misspelled. Yeah, yeah it would be like, warning, yeah. W-R-A-N. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, is there anything else that this this industry should just know about, um, I mean, you guys, you guys have a really great, um, marketing, uh, I, I, you know, I was poking around on your website. I love the tattoos for your parts, um, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. Uh, I think is a very cool kind of goes with your, your young company vibe. Uh, <laughs> I did give my sons both, uh, Spider-Man temporary tattoo sleeves last night. So, well done right now well done. <laughs> uh you know so is there anything else you know that you really think um people need to know about your company and like um you know what what just i mean i, I think it's kind of obvious what sets you guys apart but is there anything else um you know to really sum up polyfuse yeah i mean it, right now we're very much um, in an educational phase. Um, you know, when I look at engineering drawings, um, you know, I will see different categories of decorating methods or labeling methods. And, and we don't fit in to any of those. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not an in-mold label. Well, we're not hot stamp foil. We're not a sticker. And, and, and it's almost like it, it needs another category, you know, not polyfuse. But fusion labeling really is a category of its own. Um, and, and so trying to, you know, educate people, um, you know, people coming out of university um, and so that people understand that there's another way to try to 
to label these challenging types of plastic. Mm -hmm. Is there, so kind of to piggyback off that question, is there uh, an industry or an application that you see? Cause it's like, okay, I definitely see how this would fit into automotive with the need for, you know, these, these long lasting labels. Um, oh, nice alliteration. <laughs> long lasting labels. Um, and, right. and then, you know, as you mentioned medical with, you know, the, the, um, chemical resistance. Um, are there other industries you feel like polyfuse could or, or fusion labeling could really be well suited to that hasn't really gained much traction or interest yet? Well, I think even as we look to the ones that you mentioned and that I had mentioned before, um, there there is so much plastic um, being utilized in those industries um, and, and the penetration uh, into that space, if you will, is so minimal. Um, there's, you know, when, when I walk into a hospital or a doctor's setting, there are so many things that are made out of olefin-based materials. Same thing when, when you look at, you know, automotive, uh, you know, you have things interior, you have things under the hood, um, you know, and now, um, you know, with the electric vehicle, space and the olefin based materials that are involved in that um you know i mean those are industries that that still um could utilize it um you know hopefully that helps to address the question but yeah mm-hmm. you know we're in a lot of different spaces and mm-hmm. and those are just you know some of them but again uh outdoor sporting you know coolers and kayaks and mm. um you know, stand-up paddle boards and all those types of things um Again, those are uh, items that, you know, have 10, 15 year life cycles. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if it's olefin based material and it has, you know, a life cycle, 10, 15 years, then it's applicable um, for us to work together. So, mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, again, even I'm, like college sports team stuff or like, you know, customization for teams and things like that for those types oh, yeah. of parts. That would be huge. Uh, but okay, now tell me because my my very first love, my very first thing that I ever molded for for just a couple of years, it was like uh, all polystyrene. So so are you looking? Are you exploring that, or is it is there just not enough of a market for for that yet? Yeah, we we really stick to the space where where people have the most challenge being polyolefin based materials. Gotcha. You know, as we as we start to get into like styrenics and things like that, there's um, you know definitely things that'll stick okay mm-hmm. um you know but when it when it comes to the olefin based materials that that is definitely our forte and and that's where we shine and and want to help people so again i i really hope to get the word out that um it's not just a labeling company it, it's really understanding a person's challenges and then giving them solutions to try to fit their needs and i imagine you know i should go into like more of the engineered resins it would be really tricky to take those temperature profiles up even higher. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and we see that, you know, we have people come to us all the time with requests to, um, you know, come up with a solution for nylon. For I was example. just thinking yeah. that's exactly what yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, please, please, please. And uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the temperature profile is definitely a challenge for sure. They're a little, little toasty parts. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Oh, all right. Well, I think we are coming up on our hour. Um, awesome. And so, Jason, it's been awesome having you um, on here. Uh, love learning about something that, you know, we don't see in just the standard um, run of the mill supply chain. 
So um, it's, it's great taking a, a look at, you know, this technology, especially because I think, yeah, I'm, I'm positive. The only time I've ever heard of it is through you guys. <laughs> so Right. Um, and that's the goal is to be become a household name when it comes to, to labeling all of it. The Kleenex of Fusion Labeling. Yes. <laughs> totally. We'll, we'll use that as the tagline. Don't you worry. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Plastics. New episodes appear on the first Friday of every month. Plastics, the Voices of Resin, is a plastics podcast sponsored by SPE, Inspiring Plastics Professionals. If you want to find out more about SPE, please visit for, like the number, spe.org. Oh, Plastics.